Hey, Marie, how is it going today? It's good. It's good. How are you? I am doing real good today. So last time we were talking about, you talked about looking into kind of researching that animation for like starting a task and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, have you made progress on that? How's it going? It's not going. <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> so yeah, this week's been an interesting one. I haven't done the animations, but I have still made progress on it. And I, I think that's kind of one topic I'd like to talk about, which is what defines progress? Because progress doesn't necessarily mean, you know, bashing out a ton of code or, you know, doing a heap of designs. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something tangible because sometimes you could be doing the wrong thing or sometimes your time could be spent somewhere else. So for me, you know, I still want to do the animations, but I've actually decided that the best way to do that is to outsource it because I think there's going to be developers out there that are much better at that sort of thing than I am. The challenge I always have is like, we're a small team. There's, there's me and two other people on Llama Life at the moment. And how do you kind of get more out of the team? Like, how do you compete with a larger business when you have three people? And there's a lot right. of people out there, you know, um, indie hackers and, and solo printers just doing a whole business by themselves. So I think this is kind of relevant to them as well. Like, how do you get more out of your workday by being smarter about it? You know, obviously not everyone has the resources or ability to outsource the work because that requires like paid, most of the time it'd be paid outsourcing. It is something to think about. So for me, didn't do the animations, but I've decided that I'm going to outsource it. So for me, that's still some kind of progress. I just think someone else will be way better at it than I would be anyway. So it's kind of a win-win from mm. that perspective. But I did do a couple of other things this week. On Twitter, I posted about this issue I was having with the scroll bar mm -hmm. on the Llama Life task manager. So Llama Life is a browser-based app. It runs in like Chrome or Safari or whatever browser you're using. Because it's a browser, it's got scroll bars. <laughs> Looking at it from an aesthetic point of view, the Llama Life task window is a super thin window. It's not the full-sized browser window. It's like a, it almost looks like a mobile app size, like in terms of its width. <laughs> And it's on the screen, right? And then it's got a scroll bar. And, and I'm thinking, like, this scroll bar looks so ugly. I want to get rid of it. I want it to just look super clean and not distracting. So I thought I was being super clever. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm going to get rid of this browser scroll bar. So I got rid of it. And then I put it on Twitter. And a lot of people jumped on it going, from an accessibility standpoint, this is really bad. And I was like, yeah, but it looks so cool. And I just ignored <laughs> these people, right? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. It's my app. I'm going to do what I want. And... I think it looks better. You know, fast forward about two weeks, I got an email. Actually, it was an intercom chat from a customer going, I can't scroll. I think maybe there was another issue with his computer because he, he just doesn't seem to be able to scroll in the window at all. But I guess his point was like, I've been using the scroll bars to, to scroll and I want the scroll bar back. Anyway, I figured if it affects him, it probably affects, it could affect other people as well. In the end, I decided to add like a toggle setting, basically saying, if you want the scroll bar back, you can turn it on. But it was a really good lesson for me because I just thought one thing, I thought it would look better, but you probably shouldn't mess around with the things that need to be in a browser, right? Which is the scroll bar. Right. <laughs> um, so it was a good lesson. So there's an option now to add the scroll bar back if you want it. I feel like the scroll bar has been... <laughs> Uh, bane of my existence as a designer for like the last like 15 or 20 years like it's always just sort of like looks horrible and like it always like jumps especially if it's like a scroll bar inside of another element in a page then it's just like it never matches the colors are all off and I know like 
you know, early 2000s, I would do like hacks to like change the color and stuff. But that's kind of like people don't like that now. And then there's another issue with the scroll bar. I don't know if you've run into this or seen this, but on like a Mac, if you have an external mouse, it causes the scroll bars to show up. Whereas normally they're like, they're like that, the hidden ones that only show up when you scroll. So it can actually completely change the look of a website, whether or not you have an external mouse connected. I didn't know that. Is that just on Safari, the external mouse thing or? I believe it's Chrome as well, because I, well. I witnessed it with uh, like we had some sort of drop down, you know, in an app that we were working on and very similar, like it's like, oh, this, this scroll bar that keeps showing up is hideous. So we hit it and then we designed kind of around that. And I found out that, oh, if someone has that mouse that causes it to scroll up, now the content is outside of the menu because the scroll bar shows up and like pushes things out it's mm -hmm. yeah it, it, it's yep. a giant pain i hate That's scroll exact, bars yep. yeah they're the worst <laughs> i've had yeah the same thing it pushes the content out a bit and someone mm -hmm. else had a had an interesting idea which was why don't you just style the scroll bar it's so it's almost like the notch i mean not the notch the um dynamic island apple's got this ugly dynamic yeah. island now and they're kind of they've got the sensor and they're like i got this ugly sensor let's make it a dynamic island and um almost embrace the ugliness and make something of it. So somebody suggested, well, you could leave the scroll bar there. So you leave the ugly there, but style it and make it, just embrace it, style it and make it look cool. And I was like, okay, that could be something else we do is just make it look interesting in some way. So I'm, I'm considering mm -hmm. that as well. I kind of like the whole like embrace it, embrace the ugliness, make it good. <laughs> it, it's like a tricky balance to do that because you want to like make it look good, but then different browsers have different types of scroll bars. So yep. it like, I would caution to beware doing that, um, kind of like stay surface level with it, just because I've gone down that path before and you're like, oh, all right, we got this looking good. And then you switch from Chrome to Safari <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah. man, I didn't realize this is how scroll bars looked in Safari or whatever yeah. the case may be. There's probably better things to be spending time on. <laughs> yeah, the problem is just like, I find that I always want to make like native elements like that look nicer. And there's just always little compatibility issues that like show up a lot with between mm -hmm. different browsers. Uh, it's better than it used to be, but it's still like kind of those little things where you're like, if I end up doing stuff that has to target a browser, like that's like a big <laughs> warning sign. Like beware, this is, this is danger right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I already have so much of that in the code base. It's kind of like, uh, yeah, here's one line for styling, then it's got some comments next to it. Okay, this is Firefox, this is, um, you know, Chrome, this is Safari, like little things to adapt to each browser. And at some point, there's diminishing returns. Like most people are using, not yeah. all, but most people are using Chrome. We can see that from an the analytics tools. It's It's mainly Chrome. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But it's like the same where people go, I'm not designing for Internet Explorer anymore. Like that's just gone, you know, but at some point people yeah. are just like, it's so small a percentage, it's not worth it. And I think we're, yeah, right, you just have right. to kind of pick and choose. The other thing I did this week, I'm super happy about this. I'm super proud of it because there was this bug that has been kind of plaguing Llama Life since its inception, since its beginning, since I first wrote the timer app. The bug is, it sounds so simple, but it, it just, it wasn't like, this is kind of a theme, right? When you do coding and development, sometimes you look at it and you go, oh, that's easy. I could fix that in five minutes. And mm -hmm. it just wasn't, it was like a React thing. And we're using React and uh, specifically hooks. 
Hooks doesn't play well with timers and intervals mm. and it's just like a known thing with React hooks. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit quirky just for timers, which is funny because Llama Life is all about timers and we're using hooks. But <laughs> anyway, we had this bug where if the timer's running and you hit a button to add five minutes or minus five minutes from that timer, the, the behavior people are expecting is that the timer's running, you hit five, add five minutes, but it just keeps going, right? You're, in, you're doing your work, the timer's running, you hit, I want to add five minutes, and then you go back to your work and you kind of expect the timer to add the five minutes and then just keep going. It's, it's like a microwave where it's got the plus 30 seconds button. Like that's pretty much the only button I use on my microwave where I just like, if I want to do something for three minutes, I hit plus 30, like, you know, what is that? Mm-hmm. Six times. And yep. uh, yeah. And if it's like about to be done and I'm like, oh, it needs to cook a little longer. I just press that one button and, and it keeps keep going. That, keep it running. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm, kind of yeah. what's. The expected behavior is the timer's running, you add five minutes, but the timer just keeps running. But what it was doing was the timer was running, you hit add five minutes, and the timer would stop, and then you have to hit the play button again to start the timer. And a lot of people were saying to me, hey, I'm I'm in flow, I'm working, I've realized this task is going to take longer than I expected, so I hit the add five minutes button, and then I go back to my task, and then I look at Llama Life later, and it stopped, and I expected it to keep going. And you're expecting me to hit the play button again after I hit the plus five button. So it was an issue of the time. The timer had to keep going, but the timer kept stopping. You know, I've been trying to solve this bug for a while. So I've solved it now. The reason I'm so happy is because I I really feel like I've grown. I must have grown as a developer, right? Because I couldn't solve (laughs) it before. I spent so much time looking at it. I kind of tackled the problem again this week, decided I was going to rewrite like a bunch of stuff. And now it's working I really feel like, nice. oh my gosh, I must have grown. Like I'm, I'm looking at the problem a different way. Didn't see this solution before and now it's fixed. And it seems like such a small thing, but personally it's such a big win for me because I just, I feel like I've got more confidence. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when you're in something, you don't really step back and go, oh, I've actually made progress. I've actually grown as a developer. I had that feeling this mm-hmm. week and yeah, small thing, but Big thing for me. That's awesome. I remember, so I, I write for in my day job, I write in React a lot. And I remember when they kind of made the big switch uh, from like, you know, the component style of doing things to using hooks. And it makes some things really easy and nice, which I love hooks, but things Same like here. that where it's like very precisely, you need to know how the life cycle is working. It can be really tricky to know how like different hooks are interacting with each other yep. and like, yep. do I need to use the, you know, use effect or use layout yeah. effect even and That's kind of it. all that mess and yeah. how it all interact. Yeah, it can be tricky. Yeah, it's like when use effect doesn't work, oh, let me try use layout effect. Maybe that, you know, if I run it after <laughs> right. the DOM is drawn, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's so many little things, but I love hooks though. Yeah. I much prefer it. It's so much cleaner. I remember, yeah, I was at the, I think it was React Conf where they like announced that and kind of walked through all of it. And I was like, this is, I am all in. This sounds great to me. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think this makes a lot more sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big fan of hooks. And yeah, like you're saying, like, I, I love that feeling when you, when something, when you recognize like, oh, I am better. Like this is like, I, I have improved here. I'm doing something that before seemed really difficult. And now it's just like, Oh, I just kind of went to do it and it just happened. I just figured it out and it it was good. It wasn't like banging my head against the wall. It was just like, I don't know, just sit down, try to code it and it worked. 
Um, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. a really great feeling when that happens. I also think sort of not not coding straight away is good. So th- there's always this temptation for me to like bang away on the keyboard. I kind of like seeing the code coming out, right? Like I feel like I'm, oh yeah, I'm working, I'm making progress. Like there's so much code I'm writing. But with this one, I actually <laughs> um, was like, don't touch the keyboard. Just look at the code. Just just read it. Understand where the data is flowing. Mm-hmm. Don't type anything. Just just read like the flow. What functions are being called? Where is it going? You know what is happening at this very moment. And I just spent like I just spent ages like just looking at the code, right, and forcing myself not to touch the keyboard. And then I was like, oh, I think I see the problem. But before I was just typing away and like you know. Just bashing out lines of code. <laughs> right, right. I think I just solve the problems better or have a bit more restraint. And I'm like, okay, I just, the problem here is that you don't understand what is happening. The problem is not being able to write the code or the syntax. You just don't understand where the data is flowing. So if you stop and think about that first, then you write the code. Mm-hmm. And it takes a bit of discipline to do that. I think we all like seeing the progress come out you know, on the screen, but it's actually the progress can happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in your mind, like in your head, just like think about what's happening. And, you know, when I say think about what's happening, I was spending like an hour just like looking at stuff going, what is exactly what is happening here? And and then it was clearer. So I don't know. I think that's just, it's good progress for me. So for me, I, I think I sort of mentioned last week that I'm trying a little bit of different things with uh, my, the YouTube channel, which again, I, f- I find it funny that most of the stuff I've talked about on this show has been YouTube when I had like, that wasn't even a thought when we started the show, but um, that has been sort of where a lot of my time has gone. Cause it's, it's the thing that's sort of taken off and I'm trying to kind of like engage with where the audience is engaging and sort of like following that path and figuring all this out. Um, And it's been a really fun process. Um, One thing I had mentioned before is how I kind of had like this one video that's taken off that's been really popular, the toxic productivity video. And then I've been trying to, I recorded another video that I put up and I have another, like a third one that I'm working on, but there's not, I kind of have this problem of like people see the one video and then there's nothing, there's not a lot else for them to watch on my channel. And so then they jump to, you know, jump away and it'd be better if I had hey, I have more content that you can watch on uh, my stuff. So one thing I started doing, so I have my other podcast, the ADHD Nerds podcast, which you were a guest on. I think you were episode four of that. I have like 12 episodes of that. And even though it's an audio-only podcast, I have recorded video for all of those episodes. And so uh, like a week, a week or two ago, I started going back and making the video version of those and releasing it on YouTube. And luckily for me, like I had no plans to do that, but luckily I'm using, uh, I don't know if you know this app, it's called Descript. Oh yeah, I know it. It's so good. Oh yeah. I, it's awesome. I love it. So I was using that mostly because it like it auto generates transcripts, which is really great. So like that's taken care of. And then I've just found it a really nice tool for like, you don't have the same amount of precision that you would have if you're using something like Adobe audition or like one of those like more specific audio editor uh, tools, but it's just so easy to use and kind of quickly to just sort of like edit to a pretty decent form. I haven't used it in a while, um, but just for those who don't know, it basically lets you edit audio by editing the transcripts. So if you take like a chunk out of the transcript text, it'll actually cut the audio in that place. Is, is that still what it does? 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah, th- okay, thank cool. you. I should definitely describe it because it's very different than any other sort of like podcast or audio editor. And yeah, so the way it works, you kind of like you start it up, create a new document, and you take your, you know, I have my like two audio files. So like for me and the guest, and I'll drop them into the app and it'll create a timeline that sort of like, you know, make sure those are lined up. And then it has like its AI, whatever, whatever they're using to like transcribe those, uh, those two files. And then it puts that all into like one, like it basically looks like you have like a big, you know, like a Google doc or whatever with like, oh, this person, you know, it's got like the guest name and then like all the stuff they've said and then, like you know, separated by guest. And it's just like this big, yeah, like word document sort of thing. And then you can go in there and, oh, look right here. I kind of stumbled. I can see in the transcript that I stumbled on some words. So I can just like select that and delete it just like I'm, you know, sitting, like I said, the Google Doc or Word or something like that, like a regular word processor. And it cuts that part out of the audio. And so it's this really wild way of editing audio that seems like totally different than what you're used to. And you also do have access to like the more fine tools for like actually like, okay, I want to like, you know, increase the select this area here use the blade tool to like cut it. And then like you can do sort of that more precise editing, but the primary way of editing is just like editing the text itself. So it's really wild, uh, but it makes it so quick to do stuff. Um, and the, the really great thing that worked out for me is that because I had had all this video available, I was able to just go to that sort of like source timeline and plug the video into there. And then it was already like, edited to the the edits that I had for the audio. So I was able to pretty quickly like, oh, even though when I did this, I only did it with the audio. Now I have the video as well. And so it's a little bit jumpy, I think, like the video, because when I edited it, it was for audio. And so there's like a little bit more sharper cuts than I probably would have done for video. But it's decent enough that I feel okay releasing it. And so I've done like three episodes of that that are on my YouTube channel now. And people have been really enjoying it. People are like, oh, I'm so glad you finally released these on video. And I had, I had no idea that people wanted it. I was just like, I have content and I kind of want to repurpose it to help mm-hmm. fill the YouTube channel so that there's more stuff available so that if somebody sees one of my other videos and they're like, I like what this guy you know, is talking about or saying, what else does he have that I have something there? So, so far it's been like a great success. Like the response has been really positive and mm-hmm. yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. Yeah, I think um, it's so important to think about leveraging the content that you've got, even if it's on a different channel, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it really all should be kind of, um, I don't know, there might, there might be different ways you can cut it, like you still need to think about the medium that it's on. But in your case, having a, a podcast that was already recorded as a video makes complete sense to just put it on YouTube. Another way to think about it is, say, you know, with Llama Life, we have a blog, and the blog pieces are quite like it's a blog, so they're a little bit longer, but we're thinking about ways to repurpose the blog content and maybe kind of just take little snippets out of the blog, like little key phrases and put them on, say, Twitter, our, our Llama Life Twitter account. Right. We're always trying to think like, how can we get more out of the content that we have? And you might need to tweak it a bit to fit a different medium, but that piece of content should be used in many, many different ways. Just like cut it down to an even shorter piece, which could be like a tweet and get more out of the content. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of do the opposite sometimes too, because I have 
probably the thing I do the most is the tweets and stuff like that. And so a lot of times when I'm, you know, I'm working on my, my ADHD book or actually a, even a better example, like when I did the video that I just did for rejection sensitive dysphoria, the first thing I did was I hopped on Twitter and I searched myself, what all have I tweeted about rejection sensitive dysphoria? And then I can go through that and sort of I have my own content to pull from. And I have like all this feedback of people that have like replied to it with different things. So I have a real good idea. Like what have I said about this before that's really connected with people? And then I can kind of use that to help craft how do I talk about it in this longer form video format in a way that captures that same thing that connected with people before. That is such a good point. I, I think that's one of the most like important things you can do as a creator because it's really mm -hmm. easy to just create stuff and then get burnt out because it's like, it's impossible to just continually come up with new stuff forever. And so like learning how to repurpose it in a way that is still adding value, it's kind of what makes being a creator like effective or possible, um, being mm -hmm. able to kind of like see how can I repurpose this in a way that adds value in a new way to people. I think that's kind of yeah. like the big goal behind it. I love what you just said because you kind of flipped it. You kind of flipped it on its head because I think the classic repurposing is always taking a big piece of content and either just putting it on a different platform or cutting it up and then putting it on other platforms. But what you just said is so powerful because you're basically saying, I'll do it the other way as well where I take a tweet and the tweet is obviously shorter and I get feedback from it straight away and I know which tweets are the ones that resonate. I'm going to take those tweets and I'll repurpose it. But when I repurpose it, I'm going to actually blow it up a bit more. Like I'm going to add to it and make it into a longer form piece, which is so – it's a different mindset mm -hmm. to cutting something down. Like you're actually trying to grow it to something larger <laughs> – but you've got the instant feedback. So you already know like this is a topic people want to hear a bit more about. Now let me go write a blog piece about that tweet. So that's pretty interesting because you got the feedback on it straight away. Yeah, a lot of times I'll have like people specifically asking questions and stuff in there too. It's almost like I have a playbook already of like, okay, here's the thing to talk about. And here's some questions I should answer when I talk about it in a longer form video because these are the sort of things that people were bringing up. And sometimes if I saw that question, I may have answered it already too. And so I'm like, cool, I got my original tweet to kind of go off of. And I have my own answer that I gave to this question that I can kind of use that content as well. And so I've kind of already done a lot of the work to really build sort of like a base, like kind of a skeleton for like a script or something. And then I can do some research of like filling in the gaps more to build the whole thing. But yeah, it makes it so much easier rather than just like having a blank page of like, I can throw a bunch of stuff on the page from Twitter and things like that, and then use that as sort of my starting point. You know, you know who else does that really well? Um, do you know Kevon? His uh, Twitter handle is meet Kevon, K-E-V-O-N. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. so he's got like the yeah. broccoli as his brand. It took me a second, but um, I just remember, yeah, I remember Kevin. Yeah, Kevon. so he does it really is it, well. Is it pronounced Kevon? Kevon, yeah, Kevon. Okay. Yeah. It's like Kevin with an O. He probably gets this all the time, but yeah, it's Kevon. And yes, I've, I've yeah. actually done like typos. <laughs> okay. I type Kevon, but then autocorrect changes it to Kevin. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh, you must get that worst. all the time. But um, yeah, he, he has a book called Find Joy in Chaos. And it's all about, you know, how to, how to increase your Twitter presence. But he wrote the book, I believe, based on, you know, some of the tweets that he did. So he was doing a lot of tweets about how to build your audience and community on Twitter and I think he took the best bits of those tweets and then built it into a book, like 
okay, so everybody's resonating with this one. I'll make that a chapter. I think his his account is a good one to look at and it's kind of what we've been talking about, which is using Twitter to figure out what is resonating and then creating more content from that. And for him, the extra content is a book and it's also a course. Like he does a cohort-based course to help you build your audience on Twitter and, and develop your presence. So it's all coming out of tweets, but he's built a course in a book. So I think that's another good example. Um, I'm just looking at his Twitter now. It's it's at Meet Kevon is, the, is his handle. So what else have you been doing this week? You did your landing page, right? Yeah, so we did. I finished the, the landing page for... The workshop that I'm doing next month uh, with Trina Haynes, the website is workingwithadhd.com. And it's like a workshop where we're going to spend like six hours. So we're going to do like three hours on Saturday, three hours on Sunday, kind of going over having a job with ADHD and kind of understanding how that affects being in the workplace and what you can sort of do to navigate that world and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I got the webpage together. And we announced it, I announced it on the newsletter this week. And so we've gotten some signups already, which is great. Um, yeah, really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're also partnering with someone. We haven't, we're still working out the details, but we're partnering uh, with somebody to do sort of like an ongoing accountability sort of thing. I think a lot of times what I do, I'll do something like this and I'll be really excited. And then like the next day after the workshop, I kind of forget all about it and I never put anything into practice or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we're sort of building into this is having like ongoing accountability after that to help people put those things into practice and kind of be in groups so you can sort of like you know, have that accountability partners. And so like, hey, we're in this together. How can we put this into practice uh, going forward? And yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be a ton of fun. And we're still figuring out a lot of stuff. But uh, Trina and I have been talking back and forth. Like we have a lot of ideas where we want to have like a guest speaker or possibly two to kind of talk about some of the more specifics like workplace accommodations and stuff like that. Anyway, it's going to be it's going to be super rad and I'm excited to. Yeah, I finally got the the page live so that I could announce it in uh, the newsletter this week. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, so we're right around wrapping up time. But I did. We mentioned it a little bit before the show. I wanted to ask about the Ura Ring. So you mentioned it on Twitter a few days ago, and I would love to hear more about it. Yeah. So what happened was I put out a tweet. It was actually a tweet just showing my lock screen, my phone lock screen. The tweet wasn't actually about the ring. The tweet was about the fact that I had <laughs> I have a little widget on my lock screen and it said no more meetings or your, your day is clear or something like that, which is what I, I always want, right? Like I hate meetings, but um, <laughs> I was really happy like, okay, the rest of my day is clear. So I sent a screenshot. I had another widget on the lock screen, which everybody was like, hey, but what's that other widget? And the other widget was from the aura ring. So that's spelt. O-U-R-A, I think it is. Yeah, O-U-R-A, Aura Ring. And it's basically a smart ring. They've been around for a while. So they're on, I think, version three of the ring now. It started off as really bulky. And now it's looks just like a, pretty much like a normal ring. Slightly thicker, as you would expect, because it's got sensors on it. Um, I've got the second version. It's super light. And basically, it's a it's a fitness tracker, but it is more focused on sleep than it is on activity and exercise. So it will track the activity and exercise, but their main um, premise is that they're all about helping you uh, get better sleep and showing you metrics around sleep. And the reason I have it, I've got two reasons. One, it's 
I like to fidget with it. So I'm, I'm like one of those people, like I'm always <laughs> fidgeting with something. I've got a lot of fidget toys on my desk, like a lot of fidget toys. And, um, but sometimes I'm not at my <laughs> desk. So the aura ring kind of is like a fidget that's with me all the time. And I kind of just spin it around and stuff. Mm. The other reason I have it is for what it's meant to do, which is track your sleep and activity. So it tells you things like your resting heart rate. It tells you your temperature, which is really interesting. That's probably my favorite thing. Mm. Not the temperature itself, but it tells you the variation in temperature. So it'll say like, okay. I'm talking about like 0.5 degrees centigrade because I'm in Australia. So we use uh, centigrade, not Fahrenheit. <laughs> but it'll tell you like, you know, 0.5 uh, difference or minus point two difference like it's very fine movements and you know of course like if, if you're if you're a woman when you're going through kind of like your monthly cycle there's always variations in in your temperature and you can actually figure out like you know when you're ovulating based on the temperature so stuff like that or, or when you're going to get your next like period other than that it can also tell you if you're about to get sick so obviously you can feel that you're about mm -hmm. to get sick but it is interesting right like you, you'll see your temperature go up and you'll be like, oh my gosh, something's happening. And they were actually partnering at one point with, I think the NBA, one of the basketball associations, they've got a partnership with the, with the sports team and everyone on the sports team wears mm -hmm. an aura ring because they wanted to know, like, is anyone on the verge of getting COVID, right? Because, you know, there's oh, obviously a right. fever associated with COVID. So they're like, is anyone getting sick? And they wanted to kind of use it to, uh -huh. to preempt that. I thought that was super cool. Obviously, you kind of know if you're going to get sick. You can feel it. But it's nice to see it on the app as well, mm -hmm. corroborated. I don't know. It's just nice to see it. <laughs> anyway, so I have the aura ring for that. And I find that, you know, for me, one of the biggest things that affects how productive I am is my sleep. But I'm also really bad at going to bed on time because – I, I just, I'm more of a night owl. I kind of start getting super productive at 10 o'clock at night when I really should be going to bed. So I ended up staying up pretty late and then it impacts the next day. So I'm really trying to get a routine with my sleep and just having the ring on my finger all the time mm. is a constant reminder, like go to bed on time, like make sure you get enough sleep. And I really feel it the next day. If I'm rested, I'm so much clearer in my thinking and I just feel better, you know, I'm more patient, Every, everything is better, but it's just one of those things for me that like I really struggle with getting that under control and the ring is yeah. just a reminder and a constant like looking at metrics to go, well, you had a really bad sleep this week, try and improve it next week. So I think it's awesome. What's the like battery life on it work? Like how does charging it work? It charges by wireless charging. So like you just has a little charging stand and you just literally just put the ring on it. It's pretty quick to charge and the battery life is probably like three days or something like that. Okay. Oh, maybe more, three or four days. You don't have to wear it all the time. So I know people who just wear it at night mm -hmm. and not during the day. So if you just wear it at night, it's going to last a little bit longer. But it's I don't have to charge it every day. And when I do charge it, it's pretty quick. It's I've never had an issue like right, right. with the charging. But I did have an issue with the size so if you look into it, make sure you get the right size because I didn't realize this, but apparently like your finger kind of swells a lot during the night. Like, so your ring size during the day mm. would not be the same as your ring size at night. This is primarily for sleep and you do not want to be waking up in the middle of the night going, oh my God, my finger is getting circulation cut off because <laughs> I got the wrong size. So I actually had right. to change it. I got the wrong size. 
They do send you a sizing kit before you purchase it. Mm -hmm. They send you like a plastic version of all these different ring sizes. They ask you to wear it at night and then tell them what size after that. But I still chose the wrong size. (laughs) Anyway, just careful on the sizing, I would say. Right, right. So like one of the reasons I'm interested in this is my wife, she's always kind of wanted one of these kind of trackers, but she hates the feeling of watches. And so, cause I got, I had an Apple watch and we had talked about getting her one and she tried to wear mine. She's like, Nope, can't. I just sort of hate this thing, but something like the ring, I'm, yeah, I'm curious if that would uh, fit for her. Cause she would love to kind of have that, the sleep tracking kind of the fitness stuff, like what, yeah, mm-hmm. what's kind of built into that. And yeah, 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 so that sounds like that could be a uh, pretty good option there. You also mentioned, we talked real quickly about it before the show, but you had mentioned how it's almost can be like a focus reminder for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how sometimes you want to remind yourself about something and you might wear like a little, like a cotton bracelet or something, like or a thin piece of string on your wrist and that's meant to be like or a some constant reminder. Some people do reminder. like a rubber band. Some people do the rubber band. Um, it's a little bit like even like, you know, those Live Strong bracelets, the yellow ones. That was kind of a statement but of support but also a reminder, right? And for me, I mm-hmm. use the ring as a reminder. For me, it's a reminder to focus, like to be sort of – aware of what you're doing right now and are you feeling focused or not? And if you're not, maybe take a break, but it's, I use it as a reminder to kind of catch myself or watch myself. Like, how am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. If I'm not feeling mm-hmm. good, like try and stop and maybe do something different. And because I'm kind of playing with it all the time and like fidgeting with it and like spinning it around, it's always in my face. So for me, I, I use it as a reminder right, right. too. You can do that with anything as well. You could use your watch as a reminder. Like every time I look at my watch, maybe try and attach like some kind of behavior to that going, I looked at my watch and let's also check in with myself. Am I feeling good right now? And if not, why? One of the reasons I asked is because you mentioned that before and it reminded me a thing that I do. I have like a specific pair of sneakers that I wear sometimes and they are almost specifically to sort of remind me that like I'm in a certain mode, like I'm in a focus mode right now. And so like when I'm particularly if I'm doing something like writing my book, like I want to, I want to work on my book for like three hours. I'll put on that specific pair of shoes that I have so that anytime I'm walking around, I can feel and I can see them. And it sort of reminds me like, I never wear these sneakers. I'm only wearing them right now because this is like, this is focus time. So for me, that kind of becomes a constant reminder. And actually, uh, I first heard that idea. I read the book uh, Soundtracks by John Acuff. And he talks about that in the book. And I was like, that is brilliant. I bet that would totally work for me. And it has. Mm. It's been it's been great. So I definitely recommend having some sort of object like that that you're going to kind of naturally run into to help remind you of maybe what you're focusing on. Yeah. So some sort of physical object to remind you of something that is internal to you. So like a feeling or like a thought or a focus mode, because you can't see that stuff. So you, it's good to have the physical object to remind you to think yeah. inwards. But I think the challenge with the shoe thing, I think it's awesome, but you don't want to use it too often because then the novelty of it. Yes. If you wore those shoes all the time, they wouldn't be special, right? But if you just choose to wear them at certain Mm -hmm. times, that's what makes them stand out. And you're like, oh, I'm wearing the shoes. So I guess (laughs) with the ring, like there is a danger that it's too common, right? Like it's after a while it's on you all the time and you're like, okay, well, this becomes a part of you. It doesn't stand out as much. I haven't had that as much because I take it off and I put it on and I play with it all the time. But um, I can see how that could be an issue. 
Anyway, maybe that's a good place for us to break because we have we are going a little <laughs> bit over time as we always do. Yep. What are you planning to do this week? Speaking of the fact that you know, I mentioned earlier how it's kind of weird that I talk about YouTube so much. I am getting back. There's sort of a side app that I've been working with a buddy of mine on, and we haven't done a lot, but we have like we we just recently scheduled some time to focus and really work on this app. So what specifically do I want to have done on this app? I guess have a very clear list of remaining steps before we can like announce it and launch it. So that's what I want to have next week is be able to announce like this is what I've been working on and this is what I have left to do on it. If that makes okay. sense. Okay. I was going to ask you what it is. That sounds like that will come next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Okay. We'll see next week. We can talk about it next yeah, week. Yeah. And how about you? I want to start working more on color themes. So right now the app, you can color different tasks. Like you can change the color for different tasks, but I kind of want to theme like the whole app, like maybe put backgrounds or um, Mm. if a task color is green and you've loaded that task into the timer, like I want the whole app to kind of skin green or something. Um, I guess I'm just looking Mm. for visual Mm -hmm. cues to keep things interesting for the user and and for myself, because I'm also a user of my own app. I just feel like sometimes productivity apps can get super boring. So one way to kind of keep people engaged and keep people kind of working through their tasks is just to make it visually entertaining. So uh, I think I'll focus on that this week. And that's kind of also fun as well. I also have this idea for like a, you know, we've been talking a lot about like reflecting on things and how are you feeling and kind of making sure you you understand that and get that out. So I have this idea for kind of like a a vent feature or, or like, Something where you can just type stuff or reflect and just type it out, but it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. Like, I don't want to save this anywhere in a database. It's more just, hey, how are you feeling today? Just type it out. Like, get all those frustrations out. Just type it out. And when you hit enter, it'll just disappear into the ether. Like, it won't go anywhere, but you've had a (laughs) chance to, like, express whatever you're feeling, whether it's good or bad. And I really feel like when I write stuff down like that, it helps me, but Maybe I don't need to save it. Or maybe I just need to like, when I hit enter, I'm like done, you know, like mm. get it out and it just, it'll disappear. So I don't have any intention of saving what you type. It's just more encouraging people to type it out um, think about what they're feeling. And then hopefully that helps you move on from whatever is bothering you. I don't know. Let's just call right. it like a vent feature. I don't know. Venting sort of feature. <laughs> um, yeah. So right. I think I might do those two things this week. Also meeting with the team in person uh, next week. So we're doing a whole day to kind of plan more features in the roadmap. And we're still working on the onboarding. So hopefully that will be finished this week as well or next week, I mean. Awesome. Well, sounds good. Uh, See you next week then. Have a good one.